Well, good day, uh, everybody. It is great to have you. Uh, I hope that you are doing well, and I'm glad that you took this moment to to just listen to some things on this podcast. This is the Fishing for Men with Mac podcast, and today I'm going to deal with the topic, why do we exist? And I think this topic is extremely important. I don't know why I haven't dealt with it yet. Um, I mean, everybody wants to know why it is that we exist. And this is one of the questions that is often raised by believers in God towards unbelievers, towards atheists. Uh, They would say, well, listen, um, if God doesn't exist, there's no purpose to life. There's no purpose to existence. If God doesn't exist and atheism is true, then there's no ultimate designer behind anything and behind everything. There's no designer. Uh, there's no purpose to life. There's no meaning. There's no reason why we exist. Uh, we uh, are just the products of some random mutation of uh, material that came from nowhere that was placed there by nobody. Um, personality doesn't really exist. Um, consciousness doesn't really exist. Uh, we are just animals. Animals came from nothing. We come from nothing. We, we are born onto this planet for no reason, and then we just die for no reason. We've existed for no reason. We are nothing. So that is the, the atheist perspective on the meaning of life. There is no meaning of life. And you put meaning into life now in the year and the now. And so the atheist would say, look, it's a, it, it doesn't really change his life, uh, whether there's a God or there's no God, because he's going to live every moment that he has now to the best of his ability and there's a few holes that could be poked in there but um, the Christian worldview is obviously that we've been created by God for a purpose and there's a reason and Christians wrestle with it Uh, uh, Christians wrestle with the idea as to why God created Uh, if God created then why did he create and uh, what I would like to do in this podcast I'd like to explain the Christian worldview well let me say it like this I would like to give the Christian worldview as I understand it when I read the Bible as to why God created in the first place, why the world exists, why human beings exist, why things are as they are. I mean, what goes on in the mind of God? Why would he create this place and why would he create us? So I'm going to I'm going to give an explanation of what the Christian worldview is. Um, there isn't really an atheistic explanation, but I so so I can't really talk for that. But I'm going to give an explanation from the Christian worldview, and it basically is about two main questions: What was God doing before He created the universe, the world, and us? Because Christianity claims that God is outside of space, time, and matter, and so God existed before the universe existed as we know it. Before time existed, God existed. And the question is, what did he do then? What was he What was he keeping himself busy with back then? Well, the Hindu tradition has a myth that God was sleeping before he created everything. Um, there are some rabbinical traditions that says, no, but God had created many worlds prior to ours. And so he creates a world and then he flips that one into insignificance and then he creates another one. And we are one of those worlds that basically now exist. Um, but I think those are really speculations. And so what I'm going to do in this this topic in this, in this podcast today is I'm going to look at what the scripture says, at, at what the Christian 
uh, scriptures say about this topic. Another question that comes up as we talk about this is, why did God create the universe? Why did He create the world and us? And this is important to also talk about because I think some people have got a misperception about this. Um, some criticize God and say, um, you know what, He created us because He wanted His ego to be boosted. Okay, He wanted people that would like make Him feel good. And that we're just, a, we're just a pet hobby for him. Others say that God needed our admiration. Like God had a low self-esteem. I mean, if you've got to go create a whole universe, you've got to create a whole world, and you, you've got to go create people on it that praise you and clap hands for you and submit to you and obey your commands, then you've got to have a low self-esteem. And so that's one of the criticisms that has come from uh, some of the disbelievers in God. And still, then there are others that say that God was lonely. And he was, he was just seeking some friends. He was seeking companionship. Um, yeah, I can understand why people would say that. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, these are untruths. This is simply not the case. Um, God didn't need his ego to be boosted. He didn't have a low self-esteem and neither did he seek companionship. So what is it then that he wanted? Well, obviously, I have not had a conversation with God about this. Um, I have not asked God directly, um, listen, uh, Lord, uh, please tell me, uh, why did you create all this? So uh, the only thing that I can go by is what I read in the Bible. Okay, that, that's the only thing that I can go with. And so I want us to imagine today that we are at the end of it all. We, we're sitting in heaven. We're sitting next to the river of life and we're communicating with God. We're asking him all these questions that we've been wanting to ask him our whole lives uh, and, and we're talking to him and we ask God to tell us his story, like of the universe and what he did before the universe existed and before the world began and before he created the first human. What was going on in his mind? Why did he create? What was he thinking? What prompted him? I'd like to suggest to you, based on what I read in the Bible, that this is probably what God would say. Firstly, I think he would say, I, I want to tell you, I wasn't lonely. I had companions. Okay, I had companions. And if you look at John chapter 17 verse 5, Jesus is talking to his father and he, and he says to his father, Father, glorify me with the glory that I had with you before the world began. Before the world began, Jesus and his father, they were together in eternity. So there was, there, there, there was already glory and there was love. Um, and there was a relationship taking place in eternity before human beings existed. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, we see the, the spirit of, of, of God was hovering over the surface of the deep. That is the spirit of God. So that tells us that, that there was community in heaven. Um, the text says, uh, when, when God creates the world, the text says, let us create man in our image. And so... What, what does that say? It tells us that there was a plurality, that the, it, it, it was no such thing as God being lonely and not having a companion. His Father, Spirit, Son were together before everything existed. And apart from that, what about the billions of angels? Uh, there were billions of angels. So it's definitely not the case that God was alone. I think that's what God will tell us. So he didn't create us because he needed people. Okay. Uh, and that brings us to maybe a second thing that he would have said. Um, I didn't need anything. I don't need anything because I am everything. John chapter 17 verse 5 says that God had glory 
before time began. He didn't need anyone to glorify him. He already had all the glory necessary. Okay, he's perfectly glorified in himself. Acts uh, 17 verse 25 says, He's not served by human hands, listen to this, as if he needed anything, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. Okay, I think that's pretty clear. The God who created the heavens and the earth, he doesn't need what human beings can give to him. Psalm 50 verse 10 to 12 says, Every beast of the field is mine. A cattle on a thousand hills are mine. So are the birds of the air. The world is mine and all that is in it. Romans 11:36. For from him and through him and to him are all things. He didn't need praise and adoration from us. He had billions of angels praising him day and night. Um, and by the way, those angels, they weren't told to praise him. They praise him because they see who he is. They want to praise him. Um, so th there are two important things that all Christians agree on. God is glorious and he's happy um, with you or without me. He's glorious and he's happy. Um, that glory and that happiness is eternal and he doesn't need us for it. Secondly, the universe receives everything from God and the universe doesn't have to give anything back to him. So if God does not need and cannot receive anything new from something he creates, then he must have not created in order to fill a need that he had. Okay, so God didn't create us because he needed anything from us. Ladies and gentlemen, let this sink in. This is very important. If you're a Christian, this is very important. God doesn't need your prayers. All right. He doesn't need your praise. He doesn't need your Bible reading. He doesn't need your money to give it to the poor. Okay. He doesn't need your submission. He doesn't need your obedience. He doesn't need you to go to church at all. Okay. He's not going to be worse off. If you don't do those things, God doesn't need us, ladies and gentlemen. We need God. If God for one moment desire, removes himself from this planet, oxygen ceases, we're dead within seconds. If God removes himself from his creation, we are dead very quickly. Okay, so God doesn't need us. We need him. I think then God would say, well, you know what? Look, we, we, we still... We're still then trying to figure out, okay, but God, if you weren't lonely and you didn't need anything from us, then, I mean, why did you, what, what, what's going on? Why did you, why did you still create? And I think that God would say, well, you know what? I had a desire. I wasn't lonely. I wasn't bored and neither did I need anything. I simply wanted to give something, something that I had that is too much to contain. Irenaeus, the great church father, wrote, In the beginning God formed Adam, not because he was in need of humans, but so that he might have someone to receive his benefits. We have been designed, ladies and gentlemen, and given life to be recipients. Go think about that. We exist not to give, but to receive. Before time began, God sat in eternity with substance in his very character, which in its own nature is unselfish. And that substance was so powerful that it wanted to burst his heart. The substance was so awesome that he couldn't and he didn't want to keep it to himself. Do you know what that substance is? That substance is love. Ladies and gentlemen, 
That is the purpose of creation. Love. John 17, 24, Jesus speaks to his father and he says to him, You loved me before the creation of the world. Love existed before time began. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 talks about an everlasting love, an eternal love. His love for us stems from eternity since he loves us with an everlasting love. 1 John 4 verse 8, when God describes himself to us, this is how he does it. He says, I am love. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. His very content, his very character is love. So when you could talk to God and ask him, well, you know, God, what are you? He could say, well, I'm omnipresent, I'm omnipotent. Um, but he chose to, to define himself not as the all-powerful or the sovereign or the extreme holy. The word he chose to best describe himself is love. Here is the purpose of the creation of the human race. God wanted to give and share his love with someone. He wanted to give and share his love with someone. We were not created so that God can have someone loving him. No, we were created so that God could love us. He didn't create us to receive something. He created us to give something from himself. He didn't create us so we could give something uh, and he could get something. No, he created us so he could give something and we could get something. And if you, if you want to accurately understand that, I suggest that you consider the following question. If you have children, why do you have children? The other day we were uh, at, a, at a restaurant and I asked this um, young lady, our waitress, and she said she wants to get married. And I asked her about her dreams and I said, okay, would you like to have children? And then I asked her, but why do you want children? Why is it that human beings want children? I mean, think about that for a moment. I mean, a lot of people don't think about it. They want children. And I'm like, but why would you want children? Why would you want to bring children into this world where they're going to be hurt, where they're going to um, have to struggle, where they're going to have to fight off disease, where they probably can get hurt in, in a car accident, where a boyfriend can break a heart, where um, possibly die young, where you could see your father or your mother die and you go through pain. I mean, if you've been on the planet, then you would know that there's a lot of pain on the planet. But if you know that your child is going to go through possibly pain, why would you have children? Why rather not have children? And the truth is this. This is what I find. We don't have children because we feel lonely or because, because we need our ego to be boosted. No, we have children so we can love. If you go back to the core of why we do it, we want children because it's built into us to love our children. We don't have children so we could be loved. Think about it. God created us so that we could share in the love that he enjoyed with his son before time began. We are his children. And many people would then object and say, but you know what, if it's true that the purpose of creation is love, then why is there so much pain in the world? Why are there so many people suffering and in pain? Here's the reason, ladies and gentlemen, because love cannot be received if a person does not have free will. 
Love cannot exist in a world where there isn't free will. I, I've made some notes here, um, and I'm sorry to bring this up about Ravi Zacharias, but I said it in the beginning when I spoke about him, although he was caught in this, um, in this scandal, I still believe he had some principles and teachings that are valuable. And he said that there was four possibilities of creation. In other words, God could have created four different ways or four different things. First, God creates nothing. Okay, he never created. Secondly, he created an amoral world where there's no such thing as good or evil. Okay, a world where there isn't good or evil. In other words, there's no morality, no choice, no free will involved. Um, uh, and thirdly, he could have created a world where we could only choose God. Okay, but also then we don't have free will and we, de we determined and we are forced to um, choose God. That's the only option. Or fourthly, you could choose a world where good and evil is possible. Now, which one of these worlds did he create? He created the fourth type of world, a world where good and evil is possible. And this is the only world where love is possible. Love is only possible in a world where good and evil exist, where there's a choice, where there's free will to love or not to love. And so God created a world where he could show his love to the human race and he created human beings in, in an ability or with the capacity to love back or not to love back, to have a choice. And so everything in this world, every decision that we make is either for love or against love. It's either right or it is wrong. So we live in a moral world because of love. Okay, and so then maybe God would have said to us, you know, so I wasn't sleeping. I was not sleeping at all uh, before I created. I was planning. God had a mansion of love. The trick now became on how he would demonstrate his love. How would he, so you'd create this human race and then he would, and, but, but how would he show his love or give his love? To the human race now ephesians chapter 3 verse 17 the letter from paul says and i pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of god and that those verses tells us that god's love is incomprehensible the best and most powerful way I would suggest to show how much you love someone is measured by the size of the sacrifice that you are willing to make for them. So God had to consider, look around in heaven and think for a moment, but what's the most expensive gift that I have in heaven? Scrolling through heaven, what do you think is the most powerful the most valuable gift that God had in heaven. His own son. Jesus Christ. That is the deepest and most powerful way to show that you love someone. Now, uh, there's, there's a lot of wonderful people that I know. And you might be listening to this and I like you. But let me tell you this. I will not. I love you a lot. But I will not sacrifice my son for you. My love for you is not that big. I would say the biggest love that you can demonstrate to anybody on the planet is to give up your son for that person. And if you're a father, you would know what that is about. John chapter 15 verse 13 points to, to the eternal principle that governed God's plan. He said, greater love has no one than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. 
greater love as no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. So Jesus on the cross was God's plan before time began. And I know this might be a shock for some of you. Because sometimes people carry the worldview that God created the world. Oops, and then mankind messed up God's plan. Oh, and God had to fix it with the cross. No, not at all. God knew mankind would sin, but he already had the, 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 the remedy for it. He already had planned that his son would die on the cross. And through that, through the cross, it's not just taking care of sin. You know, the principle, the principle truth that the cross is teaching us is not the forgiveness of sins. The principle truth of the cross is that God loves us. God is placing his son upon a cross, displaying it to the world. This is how I feel about you. And he planned that before time began. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 18 to 20 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Listen to this. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. We see a similar text in Revelation 13 and verse 8. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. You see, the plan of salvation and the people of salvation were created and known before time began. And I can, I can give you various scriptures for that. Um, for example, Ephesians 1 verse 4, For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will to the praise of His glorious grace which He has freely given us in the one He loves. 2 Timothy 1 verse 9, He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. This plan was kept a secret for a long time, but not for us. Romans 6 verse 25 calls it a mystery hidden for long ages past. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 7 calls it a mystery that has been hidden and that God has destined for our glory before time began. The question is, what are the implications here for Christians? If you find yourself in a relationship with Christ today, God knew more than 6,500 years old. However old you think the earth is 14 billion years ago, God knew more than 14 billion years ago that in the year 2021, you would love his son. And he already started preparing a place for you 14 billion years ago where you will spend eternity with him. Matthew 25, 34 said, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And so I want to say to you who believe in Him, rest in Him, and stay in Him. God knew the end from the beginning. From His throne He scanned into our time before the first minute started and said about each person that would love Him, that would love His Son, I want that man. And God's supreme concern with you and me is what we do with His Son. If God's ultimate plan and eternal desire is found in Jesus, we must make sure that we don't miss Him. And so I think God would say next to us, okay, so I had this desire, I had this plan, and I planned before I created. Then He, then he would say, when my plan was set, I started the work. God started the work. God was throughout eternity swallowed up in wisdom and love. And in his plan, he worked out in wisdom how to give love. 
And now the time came for him in wisdom to create the conditions under which he would display his love. And the, so what's the first thing that he did? His first action was this. He created angels. Job 38 verse 7 says that the angels were shouting for joy while God was laying the foundation of the earth. In other words, they already existed before we did. So angels come from eternity. They were not created in time. They were created outside of time. And they were created to serve the human race. This is important to know. Hebrews 1 verse 14 says, Are not angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? If you are a person that is going to have eternal life, if you love Jesus, you have thousands of angels at your disposal. They've, they are ministering spirits sent to serve you. I will be as bold as to say that God's words might be as follows. I created angels to serve the human race, to be a communicative link between me and them, beings that could enter my holiness and also enter their wickedness. Uh, let me just explain that. I believe angels have been created by God because he couldn't communicate directly with us. If he did, he would have to kill us. So he created angels that could mediate between us and him. Angels are beings that can enter his holiness and enter our wickedness as well. And so form a bridge between us and heaven. And those are the guys that he created first. Secondly, then he created the universe. And he created the universe to display his glory to the people that he would make. So let that just sink in. And I'll read you a verse, Psalm 19 and verse 11. And we've spoken about that before on this podcast. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Now we've spoken about this, but I'm just going to repeat that. The scientists, they reckon that the universe is expanding at the speed of light as I speak. They say it is not a massive room with limits, but rather a balloon that is permanently being inflated with the glory of God. The universe is growing and expanding faster than we could ever explore it. In other words, we will never reach the end of it. And many people believe that there must be aliens because we couldn't possibly be the only living beings in this vast expanse. Now, I don't have a problem with that because the expanse is just a method that God chose to use to show his greatness to the people that he had made. The sole purpose of the universe is to display God's infinite power, his glory and his wisdom to who? To you and to me. And so what happens? God displays his love on the cross on the planet and he displays his, magni his mag magnificence and his, and his glory and his power in, in the heavens that he had created. In the universe. So what do we see so far? The angels have been created to serve us. The universe have been created to show us how big God is. And then thirdly, what's God's third action? He created the world. And I think God would say, you know what? I created the earth to be a perfect habitation for the human beings that I had in mind. I set food chains in place. I balanced the equilibrium of the earth to create Perfect seasons that would stimulate ideal conditions for life to take place. I set the sun just far away enough from the planet. And I just turned the axle of the earth in the perfect um, gradient that it needs to be for life to function on the earth. And for the sun to send just enough light so that it could perfectly operate. We call that the fine tuning of the universe. I created a, a place that would produce pleasures of food and experiences that would blow the minds of human beings to the extent that they would even want to worship it. 
I created the earth for the people I was going to love. And so God created the earth for us as a dwelling place to live in. Not only is this the place with the ideal conditions, but it also is a place that displays the wisdom of God. And then God did the last thing. Then he created human beings. And this is the climax of the creation of God. He made angels to be a link between him and man. Then he made the universe to show man his glory. And then he made the earth for man to live in. And now he finally makes man the epitome of his creation. Everything so far has been for man. We don't know how he created the angels, but we do know God spoke everything else into existence except man. Imagine you are at the creation of the world scene. Heaven is shouting for joy. The angels are praising God. And suddenly there's a tremendous silence in the universe. For the first time in all of eternity, God steps down onto a blue dot called planet Earth. And he makes himself dirty in order to create man. The Bible says that he forms man out of the dust of the ground with his own hands. He spoke everything else in existence except man. And from that day on, we read right through the Bible, the angels have been intrigued and been very interested in mankind because it seems like they were special to God. Way more special than the animals and seemingly way more special than the angels. And the Bible tells us in Genesis 1 verse 26 that God made man in his image. There are about 8 billion people. There are about 8 billion images of God on the planet today. When Isaiah 6 verse 3 says, The whole earth is full of His glory, He might be referring to all human beings that carry His glory through their existence. We are reflectors of God. We are His statues. What does that mean? What does it mean to be made in the image of God? I'd like to submit to you that the best explanation for that is the ability to love and be loved. That is what it means to be made in the image of God. That is where we get the purpose and the reason for existence and the reason why life is as it is. God created a world where people could live, enjoy life, see His glory and see His Son on the cross and know how much the Creator of the heavens and the earth loves them. But if they did not have the ability to love, they would not understand love. They would not be able to reciprocate love to God and to one another. And go up. so God gave the human race the ability to, to procreate, to have children, to live. Because the meaning in life really is closest when we talk about love, isn't it? We find meaning in our children and in our parents. Those are the deepest, solid, most solid relationships on the planet. And God gave us those relationships to show us that He, our Father, He, our ultimate Creator, this is how He feels about us. He loves us. And unfortunately, in a world like that, there has to be free will. Otherwise, love cannot exist because love can never be forced. And when there's free will, there's pain and there's suffering, unfortunately, because people make decisions against love so often. They make decisions against the inner love for people. And that's why God's commandment is ultimately this. Love your neighbor as yourself and love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind and strength. 
So in summary, the reason why we exist, ladies and gentlemen, is because God wanted to show his love to us. And the reason why the world is as it is, is because God has given us love and the ability to love. He's created us in his image. And that means that we've got free will. I hope this has clarified some ideas for you regarding um, why we exist. And obviously, there will be lots of questions coming from this. Uh, there are lots of questions in this explanation of the purpose of creation. And not everybody agrees with me. But that's what the best that I can do based on what I find in the Bible. You got any questions about that? Do not hesitate to let me know. It will be wonderful to hear your questions. Uh, I hope that you're going to have a fantastic week. God bless you. And we'll chat again next week. Bye-bye.